Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our examination of the testimony of Joanne Fiedler, one of Kyle Rittenhouse's armed associates on the night of the shooting. On today's episode, we conclude our look at Fiedler's testimony with Prosecutor Thomas Binger's cross-examination of the witness. That's coming up right after the break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Prosecutor Thomas Binger begins his cross-examination of Joanne Fiedler with questions apparently intended to elicit evidence of the witness's bias towards the defendant. You spoke to the FBI on August 31st, 2020. Is that right? Not sure about the date, but yes, I spoke with the FBI. About six days after this all happened? Yeah, probably, yes. And you told them that you contacted the defendant's mother the, the morning after all this happened and told her to be strong. Is that right? Probably, yes. You also said that after this incident, <laughs> you had been in contact with the defendant's attorney. Is that right? Uh, no, I, don't, I read that and I don't know what he meant by that because I wasn't. I've never spoke to him. So you've read your statement to the FBI? Yes. That was a statement uh, that was a summary of what you said to, off, to Special Agent Tim Walther on August 31st, 2020. Is that right? Yes. And in that uh, summary, it says that, in addition, Fiedler has been in contact with Rittenhouse's attorney, John Pierce, regarding the incident and has provided information she deems helpful to Rittenhouse's legal defense. The, actually, the only thing I ever sent was any kind of video that I had. That is it, which I didn't have much. I'm not a video person. So as far as verbal communication, no. Did you provide video to the defendant's attorney? I might have. I don't know if it was mine personally. I really don't remember because I don't even have it anymore. But shortly after this incident, whether it was your video or someone else, you gave something to the defendant's attorney to help him. Fair enough? I don't would. Yes, I guess, yes. And you don't have that video anymore? No. And you didn't provide it to the FBI? Uh, that's not true. I gave them everything I had. You gave them that video? I gave, yes, I gave them everything I had. I showed them my phone. I showed them anything I had. You, you gave them text messages? I gave them everything I had. So when you say that I gave something to the defense attorney, 
I don't think that that was my video. I think it was probably a video I seen or something I passed along because I didn't take any video. So it's fair to say that whatever you gave to the defense, you were trying to help the defendant, correct? It, yes, I was trying to help the case, not just the defense. And you have watched a lot of the videos that have been put out on the internet of this evening, correct? That is not true. Have you watched any of them? Yeah, I've watched some of them, yes. The reason I ask is because you reference this, these words that Joseph Rosenbaum allegedly said to you and the members of your group. That's not on any video anywhere, is it? No. Binger then moves on to insinuating that Fiedler was one of the tourists from outside of our community, as he called them in his opening statement, who were, quote, drawn to chaos here in Kenosha like moths to a flame, end quote. So you are from West Bend, correct? Yes. You don't live here in Kenosha? Nope. You don't work here in Kenosha? Nope. You've never worked at CarSource? Nope. Never bought a car at CarSource? Nope. Probably had never even heard of CarSource before all this. No, I haven't. You came down here that night with no plan of where you were going to be, what businesses you were going to protect, or anything along those lines. Fair? I personally had no plan, correct. You were coming down with a group of other people from the West Bend area, correct? Yes. You knew there was a curfew in place that night? Actually, I didn't. You knew that they were closing off the on-ramps, off the interstate, so yes. people couldn't come in from out of town to our community like you, correct? Yes. In fact, that's why you came down a little earlier to try and beat that, didn't you? No, that is not true. The next section of Binger's questioning is mystifying. With no clear intention, he makes great fanfare of Fiedler carrying a pistol when most of her other associates carried semi-automatic rifles. You brought along a 380 pistol? Yes. You were going to use that to protect property? And myself, yes. How are you going to use that pistol to protect property? Sometimes a presence speaks louder than a lot of things. The presence of what? The presence of having the gun and being there at the business. But you figured if people saw that, they'd be scared off. Somewhat. Like I said, it's a presence. It's knowing that somebody's on the, on the, uh, in the area, on the ground, standing there. It's kind of a deterrent to keep them away from the business. And you'd agree with me that the AR-15s that the rest of the group had was an even bigger deterrent, correct? A gun is a gun. And, well, a gun's not just a gun. You're, how many guns have you, are you familiar with in your life? Uh, quite a few, we grew up with them. Including rifles? Rifles, shotguns, yes. AR-15s? Yes. So you understand there's a big difference between an AR-15 and a pistol, correct? Between an AR-15 and a pistol, yes. There's a size difference. One's much bigger, correct? They could all do the same thing. One's much bigger, correct? Size doesn't change what can happen or what it does. Ma'am, did you hear my question? Yes, it is much bigger, yes. Can you please answer? I'm sorry, yes. The AR-15 fires a different cal caliber than handguns, correct? Yes. It fires at a, at a higher velocity, correct? Yes. It is capable of doing damage to some a target much farther away than a yes. pistol, correct? Yes. 
In fact, AR-15 rounds are capable of penetrating body armor, correct? Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Binger drops that line of questioning and moves on to the witnesses' actions early on the evening of August 25th, 2020. So you followed this group of people coming down from the West Bend area to the 63rd Street car source, is that right? Yes. Before you got there, you had no idea where you were going, you didn't know anything about car source, anything like that. Fair to say? Correct. Yes, correct. You said at that time you met up with someone who identified themselves as the owner of that location? Yes. You personally didn't have any interaction with that owner, did you? Yeah, I had a conversation with him. Do you remember speaking with um, Steve Spingola, a de- uh, an investigator, with regard to this incident? I couldn't recall names, but... On September 8th, 2020... You had a phone call with him at about 5.30 p.m. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't recall what. You said you've seen your statement to the FBI. Have you seen the statement that you gave to investigator Spingola? Uh, I guess not, no. The prosecutor shows the reference statement to Fiedler, who does not recall ever having seen it before. You told this individual, Mr. Spingola, <coughs> that you didn't have any interaction with the owner of CarSource that night, didn't you? No, I don't even recall the conversation, and that's not true. Binger, continuing a scattershot cross-examination style with little clear strategic or tactical coherence, asks the witness to confirm that she voluntarily followed directions to protect the CarSource slash Car Doctor lot at 59th and Sheridan. Then, with a demonstration assist from Detective Martin Howard, he inquires about how Kyle Rittenhouse held his rifle before he handed it to Fiedler. The prosecutor then pivots to another attempt to impeach the witness's prior testimony. You indicated that there was a time in which some females came to the property and were taunting you. Is that right? Yes. And you indicated that they were chanting Black Lives Matter at you? Yes. And you took that to be them taunting you? No, they were saying other things. You'd agree with me, though, the only thing you've told us so far is the words Black Lives Matter. Uh, Yeah, but I could go into the whole story, but we'd be here for a while. You also said that there was a man wearing yellow pants who jumped up on a car. Is that right? Was that one of the cars that was on the lot? Yes. And the members of your group told him to get off the car, didn't they? Yes. And, in fact, pointed a gun at him while telling him to do that, correct? Yeah, he pointed his gun at us first. Oh, the man in the yellow pants had a gun? Yes, he had a gun. He and had then, a couple guns. And then your group pointed guns back at him? I don't know who pointed a gun at him. I don't know if they did or not. I didn't. I was busy watching my areas. So you indicated earlier that you brought along your pistol to protect yourself and property. Is that right? Yes. How are you going to use that pistol to protect property? 
Like I said, it's a deterrent. You weren't planning on firing it to protect property, were you? No. You weren't planning on aiming it at anyone to protect property, were you? No. Binger next asks about Fiedler's testimony regarding Joseph Rosenbaum's taunts towards her and her associates protecting the car doctor slash car source. You indicated that that Mr. Rosenbaum made some statements, and I'm not going to repeat them all, but uh, you indicated that no one in your group responded to anything he said. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's very fair. You said you pretty much have to ignore that, correct? Yes. It's fair to say you didn't consider him an actual threat to your safety at that moment, did you? Not for the distance and for the group that was around, no. Mr. Lakowski characterized him as a babbling idiot. Would you agree with that? I didn't hear him babbling. I just heard him, well, I don't know if babble's a good word, if I may. He was just bitching. He was a little guy, right? I, I, I thought he was like the same height I am, but... How tall are you? I'm five, four and a half. Binger next seeks to challenge the witness's implication on direct that it was Rosenbaum who threw a chemical bomb in the direction of Fiedler and her associates. You said he, Mr. Rosenbaum's arm went up and he might have thrown something, but you have no idea what it was, correct? Correct. Fiedler then resists Binger's efforts to pinpoint when the protesters had been pushed past the building that she and her associates were protecting and were no longer a presence at that location. Let's go to the end of the evening. You remember the, the defendant coming back, the shootings, all that. Leading up into that, the, the few minutes before that, that was the second time that the police had pushed everybody down to 60th, correct? Yes, correct. I'm talking about that period of time. At the end. After that, when the police come by that final time, the protesters have all been cleared south of 60th. Correct? No. You remember protesters around 59th Street car stores after we that? We were pelted for almost the whole night from after the Bearcats backed up. They came and they bombed, they bombarded us. And then they left again because we had come out again and we, they heard shootings and some other people had left. But then they came back at us and I was in inside the building basically probably the rest of the evening. You testified in response to one of the defense attorney's questions that you thought it was over when the police pushed the protesters south. Correct. And they stopped there. And that was before they had backed up. We had thought it was over. Okay. After establishing that the witness neither saw any of the shootings on August 25th, nor did she previously know any of the individuals who were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, Binger asks, You indicated that when the defendant returned to your location, he said to you that he had shot someone? Is that right? Correct. Meaning one person. That's what someone is, I guess. He never said to you he shot three people, did he? No. He never told you that any of those people had a gun, did he? No, he didn't really describe anything about what had happened. He never told you that any of those people threatened him in any way, did he? 
He never told you that any of those people had any weapons on them, did he? No. There came a time in which Nick Smith came back to that location and said the police were coming, correct? Yes. And after that, all of you got out of there, correct? Not immediately. In your FBI statement, you said soon after Nick came into the location and stated that police were coming to the building. Everyone then left the building. Correct? No, no I had to go get the guys off the roof. But then everybody left, correct? Yeah, we came down and everybody else that was down there previously was gone, yes. Including the defendant? Yes. After hearing that police were coming, correct? I, I thought they left with Nick. I didn't know. I have nothing further. Corey Sharafasi rises for redirect and focuses his questioning on the taunting behavior by Joseph Rosenbaum towards Fiedler and her associates that the witness says they experienced. I just have a couple questions for you, man. Okay. Um, you were asked about Mr. Rosenbaum and there was questions about uh, how you would describe him and how others had described him. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Um, did you ever have any direct contact with Mr. Rosenbaum? No, it was just it was just that when we were standing at the 50 or yeah, 59th Street, just seeing him when Yellow Pants was jumping on the car. So Mr. Rosenbaum had never directed, if I'm right, had he ever directed any threats specifically to you? No, not specifically to me. Had he ever physically ran after or chased you? No. When you said that you were being harassed, or I think that's the word you used. Taunted. Taunted, sorry. Um, what were some of the things they were saying to you? Uh, they were calling me out. Uh, come on, Blondie. Come on out here. Um, not so tough. Put your gun down. Yep. As soon as I didn't give them their power sign, they just got a little bit more aggressive because they were actually kind of friendly at first. Everything was very friendly at first. Sharafasi then asks Fiedler to clarify her response about the timing of seeing Joseph Rosenbaum throw something and experiencing the effects of a chemical bomb. When you, um, Mr. Binger said you never actually saw Mr. Rosenbaum throw anything. Remember him asking her saying that? Yes, I remember. Okay. Is this fair? After you saw his arm move, did you see a gas bomb explode? I believe that it landed on the roof. I don't know because immediately, like, the eye started watering, the noses started running. So I can't say that I saw anything like that. And then Sharafasi concludes his redirect with one final question. Mr. Binger was asking you questions about you never... Uh, what uh, Mr. Rittenhouse didn't say when he got into the building, right? He didn't tell you specifics about what happened. Is that true? Correct. But he did say that he had to do it. Is that right? Yes. I don't have anything else. Prosecutor Binger passes on the opportunity for recross. And so with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us in our next episode as we examine the testimony of Nathan DeBruin, a freelance photographer who documented the events surrounding the shootings by Kyle Rittenhouse. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at CrimeStory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs>